0: Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 6 of Wilderness Matters, where we discuss the skills, science, and gear necessary to enjoy the outdoors safely and responsibly. As always, I'm your host, Joe, the creator of Balefire Outdoors on YouTube, and today we're going to talk about what I consider to be the three most popular schools of thought in outdoorsmanship, or the three most popular eras, because they are really time period-based. And it's something I'm interested in just because there's a lot of people that firmly plant themselves in one of these camps, these schools of thought. I personally am interested in all three. I consider myself a mixture of all three And so I'm not here to tell you which one's better, which one's worse. I just want to analyze them and look at the pros and cons of each school of thought, get you guys thinking about which one you lean more towards, and maybe encourage you to look in some of the other ones that you don't partake in. They're a very interesting way of looking at outdoorsmanship because it's an evolution of outdoorsmanship at the end of the day, how it's changed over time. And there's just as much value in studying the past as looking at how we do things currently in the present. Before we get into it, the best way to support the show is to leave us a review on places like iTunes and follow us over on YouTube and Instagram at Bale Fire Outdoors. Links will be in the show notes. The best way to financially support the show and my work is simply to watch the YouTube videos with advertisements. I don't do Patreon or any of that stuff, so it's just the only way I like to ask people to financially support the show. But if you want to watch it with Adblocker, more power to you. I know everyone does, including me. So, moving on with that, first thing to note about these schools is it's coming from an American point of view. One of the schools is based on American history, and so it's going to be very much relevant to my American listeners, but if you're from outside the United States, don't worry. I'm going to be talking in very generalized terms. These are things you're going to be like hearing in movies and TV shows and books. They're very common stereotypes of the American frontier, for example. You're going to understand roughly what I'm talking about without having to have, you know, an innate knowledge of my country's history. So hopefully I don't push anyone away with that. I'm sure if you look into your culture's history or your country's history, you'll find very similar parallels between that school of thought and something going on in your own culture's history. So. Let's get into it. The three eras of outdoorsmanship, or the three schools of outdoorsmanship, are the primitive, which I would call the Stone Age up until the European expansion around the world, where they started grabbing colonies and surging for power. Then we have what I call the Americana School, which is from the colonial era, United States, to the American Revolution, and going on past that to the Civil War into the Reconstruction period. The Reconstruction period is the era just after the Civil War for those listeners abroad. It's pretty much the late 1800s until like the early 1900s. Think 1910 at the most, maybe into 1920, depending on how you want to argue it. Uh, just so you can get an idea of where your country was at around that time period. And then the last school or era is the new school or the modern era of outdoorsmanship, which is a lot more tech-based, a lot more unique, scientifically-driven materials that they just wouldn't have had in the past. But there's a lot of cons to the new school as well. There's certainly cons to everything here that we're going to talk about today, but there's a whole lot of pros to each school as well. We're gonna start with the primitive school. This is the school where you learn how to do everything in nature. You bring as little gear as possible because you can make your own gear out there. The, the big allure uh, of primitive school is that you're learning history. That's why most people get into primitive schools, get into the primitive idea of outdoorsmanship, learning how to do bow drills and hand drills, You know, carving out certain types of bowls and making things out of natural materials or flint napping their own knives. It's about the history for a lot of people. And we're thinking about the historical value. Think of the native people of your land. Here in New York State, I can learn about the people who were on my land where I was born, where I've lived my entire life. Specifically, those individuals were the Seneca and Cayuga Native Americans. I can learn about the very skills, methods, shelters and all that stuff that they were doing on this very land. It is very local-based. You can learn about what people were doing right where you are listening to this podcast today, and that's one of the really cool historical parts of Primitive School, the primitive outdoorsman. You can learn so much about so many very locally based areas. Just here in the United States, there are a numerous uncountable amount of different ways of shelter building and fire making and signals and tool making that occurred amongst the different Native American tribes. So there's just so much to learn. But because it's local based, that's great because you can learn things that are relevant to you and your area. Learning how to build a spruce bough shelter is all great, but if you don't have spruce, what good is that shelter? I live in an all deciduous area, so I don't have access to you know fir boughs. I don't have access to fatwood and things like that. So all those videos using those tools or those you know, materials, they're irrelevant to me because they're not used in my area or they're not found in my area. So by learning the methods of my local people, I can learn things that actually matter to the force I'm going to be walking in because those people walked in the very same force 200, 300 years ago. And those techniques will still work today to some extent. And when you force yourself to learn primitive skills, things without modern technology, modern tools, modern metallurgy with the new steels and things like that, you're really forcing yourself to master the basics. You really learn how to build a proper fire when you're doing something like a hand drill or a bow drill because it takes so much effort, so much time. You're gonna make gosh darn well that it counts. And so you're gonna better learn how to build fires than someone that just goes out with a lighter and throws a bunch of flammable stuff together and hopes eventually it'll catch. You're gonna really truly learn shelter building. You're gonna truly learn how to find water, how to treat water, and things of that nature. So the Primitive School is probably the best school not only to learn history, but to learn the fundamentals of outdoorsmanship. It's probably the best school for those that are really seeking a challenge, really wanting to learn, and truly care about history. And one of the great advantages of this is how it lends itself to survival. If you get in the outdoors and you get separated from your gear, you uh, get hurt or something like that, Because you've studied the primitive skills of the people in that area, you're going to be able to compensate for not having all of your gear with you because you lost it or whatever. Whereas someone who doesn't learn the primitive skills, if they don't have their gear, they might be... Out of luck, they could be in a very big world of trouble because they don't know how to make things from scratch the same way you do. So, for those who are of a survivalist mindset or a prepper mindset, the primitive school is probably one of the best schools for them to learn, even if they're not a, an integral part of the outdoors community. They are outdoors adjacent. So, for them, primitive school is what I always recommend. Learn the primitive skills for your area so that when the power goes out or whatever you're preparing for happens, even if you don't have all of your tools and all of your gear, you're able to compensate for it with those primitive skills. But there are some cons to this, even though it's my favorite school and the one I wanna learn a more about. There are some pretty important cons. First and foremost is it's just simply hard. You're having to do everything by hand. You don't have metal tools to do all the work. You're flint napping to make a knife. You're using rocks as hammers or as axes. You're going to have to learn how to use wooden wedges instead of just whacking away at everything with a metal hatchet. There's a lot more skill involved. There's a lot more hard work involved. This is not an easy school of outdoorsmanship. This is really for someone who's dedicated to it. You you aren't going to be doing this as a weekend warrior most of the times. This is really, really involved. And for that reason alone, a lot of people aren't going to go into the primitive type of outdoorsmanship. Other things that are kind of cons of it are things like primitive first aid, primitive, you know, wild edible seeking, water procurement. Some of that stuff can be very sketchy, if not outright dangerous. When it comes to your first aid, your food and your water, I think those are just too vital to go with the, the primitive methods. You really want to be carrying modern food packaging with you, so that you can guarantee that's food safe. You want to be bringing a proper first aid kit, not relying on yourself to get, find wild herbs that can be used for medicinal purposes that are, you know, not even one percent effective versus over the counter medicines that they ended up making from the extracts of that plant. It's just stuff that you really don't want to mess around with. Even people who are super into primitive school that are, you know. Experts in primitive technology and methodologies, even they don't mess around necessarily with wild edibles, wild medicinals, and things like that. That's really for someone who's kind of mastered the primitive outdoor skills and wants to go that next level. But I I discourage you from going that far. You really, really have to be careful. You know, two mushrooms could look the same And without someone to physically be with you and teach you, you can easily make the mistake of eating the wrong one, the the one that's very toxic, and get yourself killed. When it comes to something like that, you need someone that can teach you firsthand in person. It's not stuff you can learn from YouTube videos, from books, or from the internet. You really need someone in person to teach you about wild edibles, wild medicinals, and things of that nature. So that is another negative of the primitive school. It doesn't afford you as much of the luxuries of modern medicine and and modern food and water safety. Now, going on to the next school, this kind of takes up where the primitive school leaves off. Just towards the end of European expansion, We're thinking the late 1400s into the very, very early 1900s, at most 1910, if you really want to push it, depending on the region, 1920s. So this is a very short period of time versus the Primitive School, which goes all the way back to the Stone Age. But even though this is a short period of time, this is really the rise to power of the United States, a very influential country I would argue in world history. This was a very very jam-packed time. This is the the time of the outdoorsman. This is where we think of the mountain man, the gold prospector, the cowboy. They all come from this era of outdoorsmanship. This Americana school, as I call it, because it is very defined in at least modern literature, modern cinema and things like that by the American frontier. And you probably have something very equivalent to that era in your own country. Those of you that are in Japan or in Germany, wherever you happen to be you may at least understand this era of American history and have something very parallel to it in your country's history as well, that era of the rugged outdoorsman. So that's really kind of what we're talking about here. The historical value is all the same, really, as the primitive school, but it's more regional and less local. You don't necessarily know about the methodologies of the outdoorsman, In your own front yard, but you know what they were doing in that region, the Northeast here in the United States, like where I am in New York State. I have a general understanding of the tools and methods they used in this era. If you're in the Great Lakes region, you've heard about the the Dutch Indian Company, you've heard about the Hudson Bay Company and things of that nature, if you're along the East Coast especially. If you've gone through the Pacific Northwest, you've heard about all the gold prospectors and stuff they used to do. If you're down south, you all know about the cowboy life. So it's regional, not so much local, but there's very much a theme there. Fur traders behaved a certain way. Klondike folks behaved a certain way. And so the tools and methods they used are the things that you can go back and learn about for your region so it's still learning roughly what people would have done in your area avoiding you know the spruce bough problem in an area without spruce and and this is you know very characteristic of very differential types of tools in this area we're seeing a lot of metal work because now we're we're really getting to a more modern era we can start talking about different types of axe heads and things of that nature, when we're we're talking about that modern steel and, and forging processes and things of that nature, different knife designs and all that really come from this era of outdoorsmanship. So this era or this school has a lot to offer to the people who are also really interested in history and learning about what happened in their area. It's just not as hyper-local or as in-depth necessarily as the primitive school, but there's so much more going on during this era because it's the, the rise of America itself. You know, there's so much that goes on between the colonies being settled by the Europeans all the way up to just after the Civil War. Pretty much all of the, our country's history, all the major events that shaped this country, all happened in that little time frame. And so there's just a lot there for those interested in those elements. This is also the era where we see the rise of certain terms like bushcraft and woodcraft. We start hearing the names of folks like Nesmik, AKA George W. Sears, Richard Graves, as he starts to get into the fold and come from this era and this is something that I want to talk about just because of how easy it is to mess up terms and I think it'll help you be a better outdoorsman to know the difference. So this is where we hear the term bushcraft come from and woodcraft. I want to talk about the difference between these two so that you can better understand how to approach this era of outdoorsmanship. Bushcraft is a very specific term that's used very broadly by modern audiences. So a lot of people who call themselves bushcrafters are actually not bushcrafters at all. They are wood crafters. Bushcraft refers to the specific methodologies used by the indigenous people of Australia, what we would call the aboriginals. Some European countries might have records referring to the sub-Saharan African tribes and their methods as bushcraft, and that's also valid use. But typically when we're talking about bushcraft, we really mean the aboriginal people of Australia and what they did in the bush their primitive skills. So this does kind of bridge the gap between primitive and semi-modern. Bushcraft, its true meaning is a little bit more on the primitive side, whereas how we use it in the woodscraft context, what we really mean is woodscraft, That's a little bit more into the Americana school. That's where we start talking about axes and saws and things of that nature and making shelters out of wood. Different survival shelters like with Morris Kahansky or just shelters in general, talking about different fire lays and how to chop wood in this way or that way. That's what we really mean. And what we mean is woodcraft or woodcraft, whatever, which way you want to say it, not bushcraft. One other tidbit about the word bushcraft for those of you that are content creators or book writers and things like that, you wanna be careful about using the term bushcraft in your official documentation, your company name and things like that because it's actually trademarked here in the United States by Bushcraft USA. That is a forum on the internet. If you don't know, Bushcraft USA is a gathering point for people who refer to themselves as as bushcrafters, which as we just said, is really woodscraft. And they actually do own the copy Right, the trademark to the Bushcraft word. A lot of people argue this, especially since professionals like Morse Kohansky had used Bushcraft in formal writings and things like that as a title of his one book, even, and so they shouldn't have been able to claim that copyright, that trademark. But to their benefit, they haven't actually enforced it on anyone. So that this is just another reason to get the Bushcraft thing right. Not only to be historically accurate, not only to, to really understand true Bushcraft is primitive not semi-modern like Woodcraft is, but also to kind of just avoid the legal problems with you naming your channel, your photography business, your school, Bushcraft blank or blank Bushcraft, there is a potential for future lawsuits with that trademark. Now, one really big advantage of the Americana school, this era of mountain men and cowboys, is it's still simple. You're making do with less. You may not be going out without any tools like you would in the primitive school, but you're still able to do a more simple type of outdoorsmanship. You're not bringing the whole kitchen sink with you. You're, you're bringing the basic tools and then crafting stuff just like you would with the primitive school. So this is a bridge between worlds. You get the nostalgia and the interest of the historical elements, seeing what our ancestors did, understanding a little bit of a challenge in the outdoors. You're not just out there to enjoy nature, but also to challenge yourself and your skills. But you can do it with the convenience of modern tools. You get to use axes and shovels and things like that. Whereas with the Primitive School, you're more stone-based tools, things of that nature. If you're using metal tools, they're very, very, very basic, very, very weak metals. The stuff you can use in the Americana School, that colonial to American Reconstruction era, there's a lot more convenience there. It takes a lot of the work out of outdoorsmanship, but still leaves a little bit more there to be a little bit more rustic, a little bit more of an exercise in in discipline, and it really appreciates what you're doing still in the outdoors. So I think it's the most popular school. A lot of people who who call themselves bushcrafters or really woodcrafters, this is the reason why it's so popular, why so many people are drawn to this era of outdoorsmanship, the Americana school of outdoorsmanship is you still get those elements that are challenging, those elements that are historically rich, but you, you get the, the modern convenience of being able to actually use hand tools and things of that nature. And one thing you have to remember from this era that I think a lot of people have forgotten is that they weren't just walking around with huge overloaded packs, they were able to carry all the tools they did because they had horses and mules and canoes and things like that. Uh, So this was very much a tool heavy era, but they had ways of bringing about those tools. This is really the compromise era. You get the best of both worlds in terms of primitive and modern. It's a good balance, which is why so many people love it. But there are some negatives, especially with a lot of what I refer to as the LARPers in the educational side of this era. A lot of the bushcraft, quote unquote, educators and things like that. There's a lot of guys who like the look of this era, the look of the rugged mountain man, the look of the cowboy, the look of the prospector and the fur trader, but they don't do the research. They aren't willing to learn about the era, the actual tools they use, the actual methods they use. So there's a lot of snake oil salesmen, so to speak, when it comes to trying to learn skills and use tools from this era. So you have to be really careful with who you're getting your information from. A lot of people will pretend they knew what was going on because they read a single book and then they pass on really bad information. Things that these people never used during this time period they're trying to sell in their gear shops. Or methodologies that these people never use that they're trying to teach to people that could get them hurt if not killed. It's a lot of people that like the, the aesthetic of this era but not willing to go the effort to actually learn about this era. So there's a lot of dangerous advice you'll get in this Americana school of outdoorsmanship that you won't get in the primitive school. The primitive school, folks that teach the primitive skills are very upfront about the dangers of relying solely on primitive skills the effort it takes to learn primitive skills they're very transparent you will find very few shills in the primitive school era because there's very little gear to sell there's very few things to to you know benefit from other than maybe their own teaching which is which is perfectly respectable so do You have a lot more people looking for financial gain when it gets to this era of outdoorsmanship. They're trying to take advantage of people and the huge interest in this era for profiteering so make sure that if you're learning these kind of skills you want to learn about the historical you know actions and gear carried by the mountain men of your area or the fur traders in your area you're going through someone that really knows the history that has practiced that stuff in the field not just throwing on a fur hat a wool suit and walking around in front of a camera there's a lot of bad personalities in the outdoors community that cling to this era because it's so profitable It has a lot of people really interested in it, especially because it's so iconic. Again, the mountain man, the frontier man, the cowboy, these are all stereotypes that even people outside the United States know and love and idolize and try to emulate. And so there's just a lot of interest here and a lot of profit to be made by a lot of bad folks. So I just warn you to be careful. And also one con I would argue about the Americana school over the primitive school is it's not as in tune with nature. That's one way to I would put this. Obviously it's more so than the new school, the modern school, but because you're able to, to rely more on modern technology, more modernized tools like the ax and the shovel and things like that, you're able to to not have to interact with nature as much, not care about as much the kind of wood you use and the types of tinder you go for and the types of plants you're around and the kind of trees you're going to be chopping down. So I, I find a lot of people that get interested in this school of thought tend to abuse the environment a little bit more, cut down too many trees just to make a video and things like that uh try to emulate the shelters they saw in a historical book without really truly understanding what they've done the impact they've had on that local area and so another word of caution be just remember yes you got those modern tools and you're certainly welcome to use them but try not to overuse them to the point where you're taking down trees you don't need to hurting animals you don't need to just to test a trapping method Be careful about the lives you're impacting in nature when you're learning the skills for the school or making content for the skills in this school. Now, moving on from the Americana school, we're going to start going from the mid to late 1900s all the way up today. That's the new school, the modern school. That's where we're starting to see new materials being made. Things like Dyneema, super steels and knives, new axe designs and things like that. This is really kind of the current era of outdoorsmanship. You got people out there with GoPros and you get folks out there with drones and things like that. Folks bringing their laptops or entertainment centers. And I can understand why so many outdoorsmen don't like the modern era, the new school era of outdoorsmanship. So many people are viewing the the nature around them through a lens or through an LCD screen That they're not actually appreciating nature. They're not really outdoors. A lot of these folks would get the same amount of immersion with nature as if they were just in their backyard. So I do get a lot of the critiques of the new school era, but I do want to highlight some of the pros of the modern era of outdoorsmanship and understand that these are pros that are great as long as you keep them within moderation. You gotta understand the average person is living in an increasingly indoors world, and it gets really hard to get out sometimes. You know, some folks are lucky to have a a once-a-year family outing, a family camping trip. And so for those folks, they don't have the luxury that a lot of us outdoorsmen do. They don't get the time to put in effort for the Americana school, learning those semi-old skills, the colonial to reconstruction era skills. They definitely don't have the time to invest in the primitive skills. They're just lucky if they can get outside. And so for those folks we really have to understand, we have to include them as outdoorsmen, try to help them see the value of nature in the limited amount of time they have. So instead of just writing them off as, you know, city folk or urbanites or, or just people that that ruin outdoorsmanship for everyone because they bring out all these these elements of technology, we have to understand that Yes, they they are, you know, doing things that we might not agree with, bringing their phones out and watching movies in their tent or listening to music or watching the game, but at least they're outside. And because they're outside, that allows us a room of discussion, a way to to educate them about nature that most people that don't bother going outside won't have. You can't care about trees if you're not out amongst trees. So at least these people, while still tethered to a connection to the internet, are still someone that can be reached with an environmental message with the outdoorsman message of keeping our wild places wild, making sure trails are maintained, help them understand the need for funding for environmental agencies and park management. So these people are not lost causes that I think a lot of outdoorsmen try to paint them as. They just have very indoors lives and it's getting more and more common to have people be inside. Unfortunately, I I hate it myself, but that's just the way the world is and we are not going to change that. So take advantage of what we've got as outdoorsmen by accepting these folks and teaching them as much as we can teach them and help them understand just how valuable nature is, even though they only get to be out in it in a limited capacity. Now, one of the other big advantages of embracing new school is a lot of the modern gear, the modern technology, can do an awful lot of heavy lifting. Things like my more modern military sleep system, I can go out into the woods with just that sleep system and be perfectly fine. All four seasons, don't even need a fire in winter, it is that good. And you really can get some great stuff nowadays made by civilian and military companies. It's just mind-blowing where technology has gone in terms of outdoors gear. So you don't need to learn how to shelter build because you can just bring a shelter with you and a darn good shelter at that. Uh, So there are a lot of weight-saving options nowadays that aren't going to be there for the the old-school woodcrafters or the primitive folks. Obviously, the primitive folks don't need to bring a lot of gear, but if they're in an area that is very devoid of resources, they're going to have to bring something. Uh, And so if they're going to bring something, a lot of the modern materials are super lightweight, super strong. There's a lot of great gear on the market nowadays. And it's just so much better than the the old school stuff. I I certainly love the aesthetic uh, of the old woodsman with his wool blankets and stuff. But a wool blanket has nothing on my sleeping bag. Not even close. Doesn't have anything on my Gore-Tex bivy, my tarp. It's just so much better, so much lighter. So I honestly do appreciate parts of new school outdoorsmanship, the modern era of outdoorsmanship. We are in a great time for very good, affordable, modern material gear. And so we, we do have to see that's also another pro to the modern outdoorsmanship. But as I kind of hinted at, there are some negatives, quite a bit of negatives with the new school of outdoorsmanship, to the point where a lot of folks see it as the end of outdoorsmanship and the, the worsening of nature and natural areas. And I do, I do understand that as well. So the first one is the immersion paradox that I kind of hinted at. We go into nature to be in nature, to to, de-stress, to enjoy the outdoors. But you got so many new school outdoorsmen coming out with a camera in their face or trying to do things for social media or get drone shots or working on their laptop and hammocks. You might as well have just stayed in your backyard at that point because you're not enjoying the outdoors. You're not being immersed. You're coming out here for the immersion, but all you're doing is experiencing nature through technology, instead of just putting the camera down, putting your phone down and looking with your eyes. And so there is that immersion paradox. We're coming out here for one purpose, but in doing so we're super dependent and addicted to technology and it's taking us out of that immersion. And that's especially an issue with content creators because are what are we out here for? Are you really outside because you love nature, because you love camping? because you love backpacking, because you love woodcraft? Are you trying to record things to educate the public and spread your love of the hobby? Or are you out here because of the technology? Are you only outdoors to shoot film for those views, for those likes, for those subs, for that monetization? What is it that's bringing you outside? I think a lot of creators really struggle with this. Am I outdoors because I love the outdoors or am I outdoors just to generate content? And that's a very big problem, especially with new school outdoorsmen, the ones that are flying drones, coming out with huge camera sets and really trying to make a living off of content creation. Some of them have really lost their way and lost what they started their channels for. Sometimes I have those, those ideas. It's part of why I stopped making outdoors content in the beginning of before my health started getting bad like it is now. I stopped filming as much because I was really finding that I'm not out here to enjoy myself. I'm out here to record a video and that's not what I started this channel for. That's not why I've dedicated my life to outdoorsmanship and wildlife for. I want to be out here because I'm having fun, because I'm enjoying it. I'm not out here to record a video. I'm not here to get views and likes and subs. And so I really had to take that step back. And I'm someone who's aware of that stuff. So there's a lot of people that are just kind of going with the flow of content creation and they don't even realize they're in that point yet. Uh, So there is that strong negative. Technology is a great thing. It's given us so many great tools and materials and at a super affordable cost. There are, you know, $50 knives today that far surpass you know, $500 knives in our ancestors' day. The top of the line, best thing you could get if you were super rich, even that doesn't compare to some of the cheap goods we have today. But with that technology comes the addiction, comes the idea of recording everything instead of experiencing everything. You want people to see what you're doing. You want to look back at those pictures and see what you were doing, but you're not actually feeling it and experiencing it first hand, you're getting a secondhand account of your own life and I see that as a really big negative, a very big danger of you know purely going with the technology route of outdoorsmanship. That's why I like the older school outdoorsmen, the primitive guys, the guys that get into woodcraft, even the guys that go larping and just do it for the looks. there's so much more there. they're at least experiencing nature they're experiencing the outdoors. they're experiencing history. They're not viewing the world from behind a screen, and I think that's really important. But again, like I said before, we want to be careful not to demonize the folks that are just purely new school, all technology, when they go into the outdoors, because for them, that's at least one way they can experience nature, whereas otherwise, they wouldn't even be out there at all. I'd rather someone hit the trail and have their face in their phone than not hit the trail at all, because at least those people can be reached when it comes time to get environmental messages across, when it comes time to get park funding across, because that is important. You have to understand that as outdoorsmen, we have to keep the outdoors wild we have to keep it natural we have to keep it protected if we just let people mow down our forests for lumber industry well then there's going to be no more trails for us to walk through if we let them keep polluting the oceans there's going to be no more places for us to scuba dive if we let them blow off the tops of mountains for various industries well guess what now you have no more ski slopes you have no more cross-country or hiking mountains so we do have to care about the people we can reach with our outdoors messages, our environmental messages, and they're the ones that are going to help vote and fund keeping our trails maintained, keeping our mountains clean and safe, our water clean and safe, our woods standing. So having them at least have some connection with nature is better than not having any connection at all. Though I will very nicely remind those of you who are less in tune with nature, hey, pick up after yourself, don't leave trash outside. That's just kind of my closing argument because I do find a lot of the new school modern outdoorsmen are far more likely to pollute than the older school outdoorsmen or the primitive outdoorsmen who really have a better connection with nature. So, as long as folks get outdoors, I really don't care which approach they take. I think all three schools have their merits. I am really in love with the primitive school. I idolize it. I wish I had the time to dedicate to primitive skills. I really fall more into the Americana or colonial to American Reconstruction era period uh, going into slightly new school Some of my gear is very new school, but my mindset is more of the woodcraft era, you know, going into, you know, civil war revolutionary period. That's usually the kind of mindset I think about what they had and the struggles they had to go through. Um, so for me, I do like all of them. I think each has its advantages, its disadvantages. What I really care about most is regardless of how you get outside, what kind of skills you choose to to learn, what kind of gear you choose to carry, uh, whether you choose to record every moment or just leave the phone and camera at home, what I care about most is that you don't lose sight of why you're outdoors. Most of us are out there for our health, for our mental health, our physical health, to enjoy nature, to appreciate nature. So no matter what you do, don't lose sight of why you are out there. As long as you do that, as long as you remember why you're outside, it doesn't matter what method you choose. It doesn't matter how you view the world as long as you're outside and you remember all the great stuff behind being outside. Now, next episode, we're going to talk a little bit more philosophy, a little bit more science by talking about conservation versus preservation. There might be some language barriers there, so I'll do my best to explain those terms as broadly as I can. And I also want to talk about the modern approach to ecosystem management because a lot of people still think that we're out there trying to save the pandas when we haven't thought that way in the environmental field for a very long time. We take a very different approach to keeping wildlife and wild areas safe. So until then, stay wild, stay safe, and I hope to see you guys in the next one.